one of my first friends I saw, I went to the skate park with my buddy. And after, after two hours of us hanging out together, he didn't ask me a single thing about the trail. And he finally goes, so like, what was it like pooping in the woods every day? And I'm just like, dude, we've been, we've been together for two hours now. And that's the first thing you're wondering about. Hey folks, hope you had a good weekend. Uh, hope you got a little adventure in. If you didn't, that's all right. I wasn't able to either. Uh, you know, that's just the way that's just the way it works out sometimes. Uh, there's still plenty of days to get out there this year, and also that's what we got the show for, to get a little inspiration, hear what other people are doing. Um, so today's episode, Alex Dyson, we had him on the show back in episode 674. He was talking to us halfway through the Appalachian Trail. He did the Appalachian Trail last summer. Definitely a crazy year uh, because of COVID. His plans changed dramatically, and he went southbound. And he he joined us from Harper's Ferry right on the trail, called us literally from like a mountaintop. It was awesome. Go check it out. And today he's joining us uh, from home after being home for three weeks off the trail. He finished the full thing, the whole Appalachian Trail. This was recorded a few months ago. Um, so he actually finished like November. And so... Uh, so yeah, he's just telling us about what it was like, how he's been coping being back home. Um, definitely an interesting kind of interview. Uh, you know, it's definitely a little more low key too. We're both good friends. We work uh, together kind of through Athletic Brewing. He he he's a part of our ambassador program, and that's where I work. You know, that's my day job. And uh, so it's a little more laid back than usual. A little more like back and forth, more than more so than me doing the interview. Um, so I hope you enjoy. If not, we've got plenty of other episodes to listen to and always, you know, well, there'll be a new one out or another one out Thursday. And, uh, yeah, before we get started too, I wanted to say thank you to everyone that's reached out lately, just left us a review or sent an email saying how much you like the show. That's been just incredible to see. And also all the folks that have been supporting us on Patreon. Uh, you can find us there. Just look up adventure sports podcast. It's just been really cool to see. Um, you know, this show is a lot of my nights and weekends. Uh, you know, I'm recording this at midnight, actually, um, this weekend, just because it's the only time I can fit it in. And, uh, you know, I'm happy to do it. I'm not complaining at all. It's awesome. I love seeing this community. I love being able to share adventure and everyone that uh, reaches out and supports and, and, and helps a little bit. It's uh, super, super grateful for that. So thank you, everybody, lately. Um, this new year has felt just so different than last year. And, um I'm very excited for all of us. So without further ado, uh, totally excited for Alex because he just finished a huge accomplishment. And I think he's uh, he's got some, um, he's got a lot more bright days ahead in the adventure world. He's got a lot more he's going to be doing. He's just getting started, in my opinion, um, just like a lot of y'all out there are. So again, like I said before, without further ado, here's Alex Dyson. So, so when did you, uh, when did you get back from the trail? Um, I got back, well, let me think I finished November 19th. So I would have gotten back about three weeks ago. Um, November 21st. When you got home, you didn't have to hike the next day. What, what did you do that, that first day where you didn't have to get up and go? I don't, I don't think I did a damn thing. 
<laughs> um, I don't know. Um, I honestly think I just like hung out and played video games and just uh, like obligated myself to no one. I also, um, you know, I, I took a COVID test as soon as I hit Bradley International Airport too. So I kind of wanted to just stay in my own realm and not interact with anybody until I knew where I was standing with that. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I hadn't been tested in the you know four months I was out there. It's just not feasible. But um, yeah, I mean, came back and, you know, I was negative and then I started you know, hanging out with people and, you know, started, uh, you know, I had to look for an apartment and a car and start a new job. And then I adopted the pup. So first couple of days didn't do much of anything. Um, and then every day since then has just been like insane and overwhelming, like reassimilating to society. Yeah. I'm sure it's been really challenging. Yeah. I mean, it's just always, always busy, always something, you know, like it's, it's definitely stressful having to make your miles for the day, but at least that's just such an obvious goal as opposed to mm-hmm. being back in the real world where it's just a million little things that keep the machine running. My wife and I tell each other, I was telling her the other day, I'm like, there is something to do every day and I'm I'm sick of it. <laughs> like I'm sick of having <laughs> something I have to do every day, you know? <laughs> Oh, I, I feel you, you know, cause I'm just, I keep telling myself, I'm like, oh yeah, you know, like I just have to, I, you know, I have my mom's car right now and I'm like, all right, so I just have to, you know, once I get my car, then I'll be good. And it's like, no, I won't be good. Then I'll have another like 60 years worth of stuff to do. But yeah, you know, that's just one big thing off my plate. Yeah, man. I was just complaining to my mom. I've got like some floors to do in our house and it's, I was like, once I get that, she just told me, this was like right before you called. She's like, nope, there will always be something and really what she's saying is not, you know, you can't get to the end of the, your list to wait to live. You've got to really just balance that and say, you know, yeah. I can push this aside for now. Because, you know, with you, man, you, it's, it's not like your life was perfect to go on this adventure. Anyone we talk to on this show is just, oh, the schedule just worked out perfectly. They're 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 pushing off things that's in their minds, stressors and no one is doing it with no strings attached, if that makes sense. Schedule worked out horribly for me with like COVID happening. <laughs> right. I, was, right. <laughs> I had the worst schedule. Um, Tell us a little bit about just assimilating a little bit. What 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 has been the biggest challenge three weeks in? Because it's still pretty fresh. Um, Three weeks in? Well, you, you know, I adopted this beautiful pup, and I think she's been my biggest challenge so far is just you know because she was a stray in mississippi so it's just like getting her comfortable with her environment so i almost feel like that's been you know she's been a big distraction for me because instead of me worrying about getting comfortable in my environment i gotta do it for her so i'd say the the pub has probably been the toughest other than that um i don't know you know i started a new job and just building houses with a buddy so that's been really fun for me because it's just a you know, everything's new. It's all a new learning experience every day. You never have the same day twice. So it's not like, you know, I'm going back into an office job. It's like I'm outside, you know, every day. Definitely, definitely this uh, beautiful pup has been the hardest thing for me. What's your pup's name? Her name is Dolly. Uh, her and her sister's names were Dolly and Reba. And I listened to so much Dolly Parton on trail. I was like, I have to keep her name. That's perfect. Oh, man. That's too cool. So, well, man, we, we didn't talk to you until uh, you were at, essentially right around Harper's Ferry last time we talked, like, uh, on the show. Do you want to get into what kind of the last half of the, the hike was like? Last half of the hike? Yeah. So, let me think. 
where we left off um, that day, I would have went down into Harper's Ferry, halfway point on the trail. Beautiful town, very historic, where John Brown's uh, coup d'etat, you know, was attempted. Um, and then after that, I would have went through Shenandoah. Um, so yeah, Shenandoah was amazing. About a hundred miles of the AT. You're following Skyline Drive the whole time, so it's. You know, it's not like uh, up north I had done all of the elevation and all the, the steeper, harder stuff. Um, and then going through Virginia, everything's just so like rolling and mellow. And you are going up big climbs, but they're taking miles to do it. You know, Shenandoah, I'm able to hit the waysides, which are basically places I can go get a hot cheeseburger every day at noon. And, you know, I was just like, damn, why can't it just be 2,200 miles of this? Yeah. And then um, came out of there down into Waynesboro, Virginia. And then I ended up taking like three or four days off trail in a row because of a tropical storm and probably could have hiked out. But once you, once you get cozy in the, you know, hostel, it's, it gets kind of hard to hike out into a storm. <laughs> I um, can imagine. How did the second half differ than the first half? You say, what was it all kind of rolling hills like that? I know you went through the Smokies as well. Um, that That looked from your pictures just, kind of kind of one of the prettier parts yeah um i'd say yeah the smokies were um also just like so i mean that's where you're hitting the highest points on trail but you know it's you're doing three thousand feet over like four miles five miles so it's definitely not as big of a butt kicking as say like you know in the whites where you're doing that same elevation in less than a mile um but yeah, the Smokies were Smokies were unreal. Um, my only problem with the like the most beautiful parts of the trail are also the most populated. So it's like you know I'm coming out of these wilderness sections where I'm seeing two people a day, and then now I'm in a national park and there's just you know twenty thousand people in a parking lot, and it's like just you know sensory overload. Some unreal stuff in that second half. Um, the Roan Highlands. Uh, oh, the Grayson Highlands, which is where the wild ponies are. Uh, definite highlight, very like classic Appalachian Trail spot. Is that where you took the uh, Oktoberfest pictures? Uh, yeah, yeah. What? Are um, those wild? They are. They are wild. Um, although I'd hardly. They're kind of corralled in like a small state park, so you know, like they are of wild lineage. But they're very like maintained and you know like domestic as far as wild ponies go. Wow, I, I, I still didn't realize that. That's really cool. Um, yeah, that. That's but yeah, awesome. I mean, as soon as they, they they see backpackers and they you know they expect to get fed and they just come right up to you and I'm like, all right, great, let's let's get you in this picture. That was uh, that was definitely a, a group favorite. We shared that on our recent team update. Um, what ambassadors oh, awesome. were doing. So the whole the whole ambassador uh, athletic brewing community got to see it, and uh, that was really cool, man. I shared it with the brewing team as well. They thought it was great. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the the thing about that picture uh, for so for those of you listening, this was on Halloween. So I decided to wear later hosen just to kind of get Halloween and Oktoberfest in one fell swoop. Um, hiking twenty four miles in later hosen, I rubbed all of the skin off the, or all of the hair off the top of my thigh and it hasn't grown back since. <laughs> so later are not good, not good hiking attire. My, uh, you know, running shorts are definitely a lot more comfortable for that. It was also like 20 degrees that day. 
Oh gosh, man, you really you really put yourself through it that day, man. Hey, man, you put in that much trouble to get yourself later hosing on trail, like you're gonna ride it out. Oh man. So you know you, you, the second half of the trip, how, how did it feel compared to the first half? As far as like where your mindset was, was it kind of did it feel like you were winding down, or did it feel more? I don't know, more more of a richer experience. What what was it like compared to the first half? Um, I'd say. It, the weather was a lot more consistently cold. Um, so I, I definitely had a lot more days where I was just over it. You know, like I at no point like thinking about quitting, but, you know, there were definitely some days where I put in some big mileage just because I knew it was getting me closer to the finish line. You know, like I feel like in the beginning of the trail, all my big mileage days were just, you know, like personal achievements. Whereas, you know, the second half of the trail is just like, all right, let's get on a plane already. You know, I could use down comforter and hot shower in my life. Those are what get you through the hike is just, you know, getting those creature comforts while you can. So uh, last time I talked to you, I had recently switched to stoveless and I kept that up mm-hmm. the whole trail. So cold couscous all the way down. I think I also, I gave up coffee the week I had talked to you, um, right. but I picked that up. I picked that up like four days after I talked to you. I mean, there's, you know, I could only have so, so like, so miserable of a minimalist life and you know keep going so the coffee came back but it was just cold and usually mixed with carnation instant breakfast <laughs> so oh man so, so what was uh did, did you pass anybody else obviously probably not going northbound unless it was just section hiking but any other southbound through hikers that you kind of connected with or hiked with towards the end to, to kind of finish together uh, yeah. So I'd mentioned, uh, my friend Puffin, we hiked, we met, um, just South of Shenandoah and yeah, I, I hiked with her until the, you know, Springer plaque. Uh, we did 750 miles together. So that was, that was the longest hike with anybody. Um, cause I had a, I had a buddy that I hiked about 500 miles with up North, uh, my buddy Knoxville. Um, but we just lost each other in Vermont and then he ended his hike, um, basically in Harper's Ferry and then flipped down to do a little bit down South. So basically between Vermont and, uh, Shenandoah, like that area, when I met Puffin, I was hiking alone, occasionally bouncing around other people, but for the most part, just hiking my own hike. So, so what did it feel like to reach Springer Mountain and, and and officially finish? What did that feel like? It's, you know, it wasn't like the big tear-jerking moment I had dreamed of for two years, um, simply because I really wanted to finish in under four months. So the last four days, I had to do 150 miles in order to reach that goal. So by the time Puffin and I got to the Springer Plaque, you know, at the end of, we did 30 mile day and then a 40 mile day and then like a 35 mile day. And then our last day on trail was 43.8. So we were both just so like tired and pissed off and over it. By the time we hit the plaque, we were both just like, all right, cool. Like, let's pass out now and just like get down in the morning and just camped on top of Springer Mountain. We kind of deprived ourselves of like the, you know, huge climactic, you know, through hiker finish that we had dreamed of. But we finished in, you know, pretty good style, so neither of us were mad about it. Dude, you know, that's uh, 
don't feel too bad. I, I find that those kind of big moments in life, they're, they're not the way the movies describe them. They're not the feelings that you feel. And it, the, the feelings that you think you're going to feel at those big moments often do happen, at least for me, um, kind of in just a lot smaller moments when I'm not really thinking about it. And those big ones where I'm like, I'm supposed to be so happy and excited. I've never really usually feel that way, you know? So I kind of expect it now. I don't know. Um, yeah, I, you know, I had kind of had the same thought where I also just don't have those like crazy big reactions. So I was just like, I don't think I'm going to cry at Springer, even though I feel like I'm supposed to. I don't think it's going to happen. Um, I also don't feel like it was the end of something just because, you know, it's not like I'm through hiking the Appalachian Trail and then, oh, now I'm going back to like a normal life for the rest of my life. I feel like just in the process of getting ready for the Appalachian Trail, like my whole life has kind of uh, begun to revolve around just the whole climbing, you know, mountaineering ethos. So it's not like that's it. It's not like I'm done adventuring. It's just like my first big adventure and now they're just gonna keep getting you know bigger and more ridiculous from here kind of makes me want to ask you then what what do you think you want to do now i know that it gives you a lot of time out there to think did you brainstorm anything else you want to do i have i have so many ideas i have like an unreasonable amount of ideas what's really on the table for this year um i would like to do rainier um just to kind of start ramping up into like glaciated mountains um because i did mount washington last year which is kind of like your big east coast mountaineering project so then rainier would be the next jump up and then hopefully 2022 i could do uh denali do that for my 30th birthday yeah so i think that'd be fun just start working up towards you know go more more vertical than horizontal from here on out um <laughs> although i do i do still have my sights on the triple crown um no immediate plans for the next trail but i would like to i'd probably go like continental divide southbound next there's a family near where i live here in florida actually that just did that together four kids and mom and dad and uh oh i've I, yeah I've, I've seen them i've seen their pictures kicking around just really cool family i mean you gotta be you're through hiking Jeez, man, I really like your thoughts about going vertical because, yeah, you, you are really um, have a lot of interest in mountaineering, too, uh, which I don't you know, it's not that's yeah. not always the case with through hikers. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I feel like my absolute happiest I was on the trail um, just from like, you know, like the environments I was in anytime I was in alpine zones. So like on the presidential traverse in the whites and, you know, like Franconia, that was my third time up there this year. And just, you know, like Southern Maine, I had talked about on the last podcast, just all of those, you know, they just feel like totally alien places. You know, there's something cool about just being somewhere on earth where you feel like humans aren't supposed to be that just, you know, makes you want to go there. 100%. 100%. I, you know, I've always loved that too, of that that alpine region where it feels like you can't live here but you're you're like a visitor for a short time and it's it's like an amusement park for for adults yeah. where it's it's uh yeah that's so funny you say that 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 is exactly what it feels like so you would love the CDT or even the PCT so yeah. you, know, you you had that few and far between on the Appalachian Trail yeah i mean i just want to keep uh you know pushing it and getting up higher and higher and 
you know, hopefully, I mean, all right. So big dream. And I'm not going to say I'm ever going to do this in my life. I would love to do one or all of the 8,000 meter peaks with no supplemental oxygen. That is like my utmost goal. Dang. That's but again, I'm, not, I'm not calling it, you know, that's just ridiculous. But my eyes are like, you know, I'm kind of checking it out. Man, I tell you what, we've had a lot of guests on this show that have done at least some of them. And uh, some of them in winter, we've had a guest recently wrote a book about doing it in winter, but I believe they all had oxygen. So, man, mm-hmm. if you ever need some some advice, I, I definitely have a list of folks I could, I could kind of connect you with. But that's a big jump from an Appalachian Trail. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, if anything, I'd say the Appalachian Trail is a good stepping stone, you know? You learn to it's suffer. Baby <laughs> you know, it's not like you're just, you know, I'm, I'm rolling out of bed and going like, all right, let's go up to OU today. It's, it's the process of getting up and doing something that's hard, doing something that's physically demanding, going to bed, getting up and doing it again. Cause a lot of those, a lot of those expeditions that you don't realize they're from the time you leave your door to the time you come back and be multiple months, you know, like the work you got to put in for them at home. I remember, uh, when, uh, Corey Richards was going for, I think he was like going for the North Face to Everest. I was watching him on Instagram Live every day, just you know, treadmill set at 15 degrees with a backpack on, walking on it for three hours, and I'm just like, that looks freaking awful. But you know, you got to do what you got to do. That's crazy. It was so. I tell you what, you know, we we had a one of the, our other ambassadors with Athletic um, Hunter, who was just she's so great. She was so. Jesus just followed along your trip. I don't know if y'all connected at all, but she sent me a list of questions. Yeah. Also, she's in Connecticut too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, she's yeah. a she's a local yeah. ambassador too. But she wanted to know like just a couple things from your adventure. When uh, I told you know we we she I think she saw or we talked about that you were going to be on the show again, and uh, mm-hmm. she wanted to just kind of ask some questions. And every time you know someone reaches out and want to ask some questions, I want to be sure that we uh we entertain them. Um, so if you don't yeah, mind, absolutely. I'd love to, I'd love to ask what she wants to know. Throw them at me. Quick, cool. I think you might answer this one first, but maybe, maybe, uh, not in depth. How, how did you get your trail name and was there like a history behind it? So my trail name is actually, uh, my trail name breaks my heart because it is the name of a, uh, rock climbing route that goes up uh, Mount Katahdin. So Mount Katahdin being the, uh, Northern terminus of the trail where I started. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was supposed to approach the Northern terminus by climbing this route called the armadillo. And of course, like an idiot left myself a one day weather window to work with, just like didn't even put in the foresight for that. So instead of, um, instead of rock climbing up the armadillo, which would have been the super badass way to start a southbound through hike that I don't think anyone's ever done it that way before. Ended up just having to hike up and, uh, you know, bag the extra peak on the mountain while I was at it, but didn't get to do the climb. So, um, yeah, while I was in my first couple of days of my through hike, I was uh, talking to my buddy Knoxville that I just mentioned um, and was just complaining about not getting to climb the armadillo. Uh, he comes back to me a day later and he's just like, hey, man, I thought about it all day and I think your trail name should be armadillo and i was like yeah i wanted that to be my trail name but i wanted to climb the armadillo to get it (laughs) right you didn't want uh, it to be a reminder of what you didn't get done (laughs) yeah exactly so 
I kind of, you know, brooded over it for an hour and was just like, all right, I'll take it. That's so funny, man. So, so Hunter wanted to know too, to follow up on that. If you do another through hike, do you, do most people typically keep their trail name all the way through their kind of through hiking career or do they change it as they want or as they do new trails? I mean, um, I have heard of people changing their, uh, their names, but for the most part, it's, you know, once you get it and once you accept it, you know, that's kind of just who you are. Yeah. No, that's interesting. So. <laughs> I actually have a good friend that they did the triple crown and he changed his name like halfway through one of the trails. Someone changed it for him and it kind of made sense. It was like a transition in life and there was like a, a name to represent that transition. So it worked. Um, oh, that's cool. But man, that's really cool. You know, I think Hunter's just super interested. She's, she's kind of like all about this stuff now, I guess. So yeah, uh, she was uh, hyping me up the whole time. Oh, that's Appreciate awesome. Her. So, so what are the logistics of like getting your supplies or your shipments there ahead of time? Um, are you shipping that much stuff to you? I know you're shipping a lot of stuff out away, like as you kind of shed weight, but did you get a lot um, of stuff to you? And what was that like? I did. Uh, and this was, a, this was a terrible year for USPS, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had, I had a lot of bad luck with them. I did get, I got a good amount of gear shipped to me. Sometimes I had good luck and I would have it, you know, usually plan a couple of days ahead and give them some leeway. Um, like, I, you know, when I switched from a tent to a tarp, I had that tarp shipped out. And, you know, new shoes I would usually order because, you know, so I could be pretty particular about it. And a couple of times, yeah, my packages got lost in the mail and totally screwed me over. And I remember I had a quilt that I had to wait around for that set me back. Um, and then Puffin and I, her mom sent us both like some resupply boxes that USPS lost and we, uh, figuring it out and like getting to a grocery store the next day. But we basically had to do a gas station resupply to get through that. And yes, you know, sometimes mail drops work out and sometimes they don't, but I would usually just advise people to, you know, try and avoid them if you can. Okay. So, so Hunter wanted to follow up with that. Did, did you look at it as part of the experience or was it just more of a, more of just a general frustration. It's definitely a general frustration, but yeah, no, I think it is part of the experience. You know, everybody's, everybody does some sort of mail drop, whether it's, you know, their mom or their wife sending them a birthday present or, you know, if say you have some kind of dietary restrictions and you're just getting your, you know, gluten-free stuff shipped out to you. Yeah, it's pretty integral. I mean, just because we all, even though we are out of our comfortable lives, we do have our things that we have in our normal lives that wouldn't be able to get on trail otherwise. So after doing the whole thing, now you got the whole Appalachian Trail under your belt, what would you say was the most beautiful part to you? Um, I am still going to keep my answer of uh, the whites and Maine that I told you in the last episode. I mean, unbelievable. Yeah, just I love me an alpine zone. You're going to have a hard time choosing the CDT then because it's like, it's like all Alpine <laughs> or like a bunch yes. of it is. It's Alpine or desert. Take your pick. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what would you say now that you've done it all is the mo- was the most challenging part of it? This could be because of the terrain or just personally. What, what was the hardest part to get through? Um, hmm. Hardest part to get through is probably just like those – those long days when you're stuck out in a storm and you just gotta, you know, it's, you, 
you got 60 miles and two days of pouring rain and you just got to get there. You know, like those, those are the hardest when you're just out there and you just got to figure out how to get through it. As far as like terrain, it's, you know, still like Maine in the whites, but it's so beautiful. You don't care how hard you're working. I'd say it's just when you get thrown a bad weather window, but when it's wet, you know, it's like you could be going up something that's a pretty mellow grade and it's just like, all right, now it's wet. So like you're starting to chafe. You're just kind of like tired and pissed off and your feet keep slipping because all the leaves are wet. And, you know, every time your foot slips, you get pissed because you lose your rhythm and, and then you just do that days straight and you're just yeah not stoked by the time you finally get out of there wow man so you talk about that rhythm is that is that i'm not familiar with that is that something that's that's pretty common or y'all talk about or you try to get into and helps the day go by yeah i don't know if it's something i guess really oh i guess it's something we talk about i it's more just like yeah once you get a groove you got some good music going and you just like get a good like cadence of your walking going and you can just you know crank out three and a half miles an hour and just do that for a few hours straight and cover half of your day without really giving it much thought that's those are the good days what was your first uh post hike meal what was the first thing you got back and and tried to enjoy uh puffin and i we both uh bought new shoes and went to a brazilian steakhouse unbelievable yeah i mean because we had just been eating you know our good meals for four months were just like fast food so we're like nope let's let's ball out oh that's awesome man well deserved stay at the marriott brazilian steakhouse let's do it i bet that was the best steak you of your life oh absolutely because it's where they you know they come around with and they just have like all different types of meat and they just you know shave you off a little bit of it so you just have this plate that's got like 10 different cuts of steak on it and I mean, we had just burned, you know, 150 miles worth of calories in four days. So I think we could, I think we could gorge ourselves on uh, a couple of pounds of steak and not feel bad. <laughs> so, so what was it like uh, sleeping in a bed kind of consistently after that? I know you had had little breaks here and there, but kind of just ongoingly sleeping in a bed. Um, It is awesome not having to wake up at 2 a.m. and reflate, reinflate my uh, sleeping pad. So <laughs> I no complaints. Yeah, I mean, my my sleeping pad just kind of started springing leaks as like any inflatable pad is going to. But that happened about halfway through the trail, and even though I kept patching it, never uh, <laughs> never got it back to health. So always just waking up on the ground in the morning, and you know, it's just how much I feel like dealing with it. I'm actually blowing it back up. Oh yeah, that's a pain in the butt, man. I think all my sleeping yeah. pads have a little holes in them, and it's. It's always it's always a midnight conversation with myself. Do I do I care enough right now, or should I just let it go? And it directs correlate like it, it uh, correlates directly. Sorry, with how badly I have to pee. Because if I'm getting up to pee at one in the morning, then my pad is getting blown up again. If I can just like ride it out, then you know, it ain't happening. <laughs> just 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 doze off back to sleep. <laughs> yeah. What did you miss most about civilian life when you were out there? Um, man, just like buying food based on whether I wanted to eat it and not whether it was going to hold for three days and what its caloric density was. Um, I don't know. I miss just getting to go to the climbing gym. Yeah, just waking up in a bed. You know, there's so much. You know, deciding what to do in town 
based on something other than how far of a walk it was. You know, because that's the thing. It's like, even when you're in town, you're just like, all right, cool. What's within a quarter mile of where I am? And now it's nice just having a car and, you know, getting to drive. <laughs> yeah, go climb and then drive home instead of yeah, exactly. walking back. <laughs> <laughs> running water, was that was that a revolution for you? That's that's always been something for me. It's like, oh my gosh, there's running water. Um, I don't know. The t- like tap water kind of sucks after four months of drinking like spring water, though. Yeah, I'm not too picky with water, so it's like the convenience was was nice. But you're right, spring water. Oh man, probably cold too. Yeah. Oh, always. Although sometimes that's not great because when you're hiking and it's cold, and then your water source is freezing cold, and now you got to filter it, so you're just putting your cold hands on cold water and making them even colder. So hot water maybe yeah. was a revolution. <laughs> yeah, I'd say hot water was a revolution. Good coffee. Let me sneak that in there. Good good coffee was a revelation for me. I started off getting good instant coffee shipped out. This company's Swift Cup. Um, not paid, just a fan. They uh yeah, they do like awesome specialty instant coffee. But um yeah, I mean halfway through I was just, you know, once I like quit for a week and then was back on, I was just like, all right, I'll just buy whatever instant for the next two months and just suck it up. You, we talked about what you miss most about civilian life three weeks in now. What do you miss most about trail life and just, just living out there? I think I miss the most, like the way your mind is wired from just like the constant, like constant vitamin D and serotonin, you know, it's like that you hear about post-trail depression just because it's, you're so used to just getting pumped with all these good chemicals, all this natural stuff. And then you're just like right back into a pretty sedentary lifestyle. So, it's, yeah, I just miss being out there. It definitely feels much closer to the way we're supposed to exist, you know? Yeah. But it's hard 100%. to replicate. Like, how do you do it long term? How do you do that on a daily basis? It's it, You really can't just walk forever. You can, but I don't know if we always want to. I don't know. I don't know how to balance it just trying to get small doses of it. I mean, it helps that I'm, you know, working outside. So I'm getting the sun exposure and getting a little bit of exercise just through working and trying to go for long runs and going in the climbing gym, but you're never going to get that, you know, what you're getting from hiking 28 miles a day, every day without hiking 28 miles a day, every day. Right. Exactly. It's just like, you know, trying to wind down and not, you know, like shock myself. I don't know. What was one of the biggest lessons the entire AT taught you? What did you learn out there, you'd say, if you had to boil it down? I feel like it made me a lot more like patient um, and gave me a, a lot more like tolerance and perseverance. I mean, you're not going to get there without just constantly grinding it out. It's, you know, you're just doing it's, it's five million steps. You know, you're not there's no shortcuts around that. So it's, you know, keeping your head down and grinding it out. That's what you're going to learn out there. Wow. You want to talk about being able to chip away at something. Imagine counting down from 5 million, 4,999,999, and then just going all the way. It, it would feel so overwhelming, just like I'm sure those first steps did when you started thinking about the whole thing. But before you know it, the time has passed and you did it. Like that has to be a great lesson for you to tackle other large projects you know yeah absolutely i mean just knowing you're capable of something so grand is pretty 
pretty amazing. So, you know, we've talked about some of your future plans and what, what you'd like to do, aspire to. We'll talk to you after you climb all, what, 14 of the 8,000-meter peaks. And yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll have you back on the show somewhere around then. But, you know, what what, what could you say to folks that, that maybe want to do something like this? Or uh, what would you like to share with kind of just our audience? Anything else that was just kind of sticking out in your mind? No, I mean, just kind of to answer your question of like, what would I say to people is, you know, don't sit around spending your life wondering if you should have, could have, would have, you know, just try it. You know, worst thing that happens is you got to go home and you know that it wasn't for you, but you know, just go for it. Yeah. That's a, that's a good point, man. I have a lot of friends that have wanted to do something. They go out and do it, realize it's not for them, but then you know, they, they can be proud of themselves knowing that they tried and knowing that they just discovered like, yeah, that's not my thing, but I'm glad I would have never known if I didn't go out there and, yeah. and at least attempt it. And so a lot of them have discovered a new passion. A lot of them have determined like, yeah, this ain't the path for me. I'm going to let go of that. And uh, let me go find my path. Yeah. Like I feel like the past two years of my life have just been, you know, trying every hobby I can get my hands on and seeing what, you know, sticks around. And that's, yeah, it's a fun way to live. Definitely. Um, oh, yeah, I was going to ask you this, you know, something that a lot of adventures experience when you get home and you kind of get back into normal life and you're like, you know, interacting with coworkers or family and you, they're like, yo, you know, how, how was it? Is it, do you find it hard to kind of like tell them, oh, it was good, you know, and that's all you really want to know and all you can really get into. That's a, that's a really hard concept for a lot of people, a really hard realization when people don't really take the time to think about what you just did. Well, yeah. So, I mean, when people ask me that question, they're like, how was it? I'm just like, you know, like it was, it was awesome. And sometimes it sucked and it, you know, it was 2000 miles. It was, a, it was a lot of things. Um, actually, I thought it was funny. The, my, one of my first friends I saw, I went to the skate park with my buddy and after after two hours of us hanging out together, he didn't ask me a single thing about the trail. And he finally goes, so like, what was it like pooping in the woods every day? And I'm just like, dude, we've been, we've been together for two hours now. And that's the first thing you're wondering about. Jeez, man, that's frustrating, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, actually, I, it was pretty great just because I was still digesting and I didn't want to have to, you know, try to like delve into what I just went through every time I saw someone from my life. So I thought that was pretty great that Paul just kept it whimsical and wondered how I wiped my butt. That's too funny, man. That is, that is, you never, you, you know, it's just, it's so interesting. The human mind's so interesting and everyone's works so differently. Um, yeah. what, what was your answer? I'm sure some people are wondering that. What was it like to poop in the woods for, for four months? <laughs> Um, I think so. I, I switched to a uh, toilet paper list at the end and just started using, uh, you can do a lot better with sticks. All right. So sticks over leaves. And then I just carried a two ounce bottle that I would fill with water as a bidet. TMI. So, TMI. You asked, you asked Mason. I did, you know, switch, switch from toilet paper to sticks. I probably can't do that here. My plumbing sucks as it is. Um, <laughs> I can't imagine it full of sticks, but, uh, Start a compost pile in the yard. There know. you go. I've got one of those. And so. Oh, there you go. You're good to go. <laughs> so that was what your buddy wanted to know. That's too funny. Yeah, Alex, man. I, I think that's everything that Hunter had to, to ask. And uh, shoot, man, I, I really want you to just, you know, reach out, make sure you've got your, you know, 
folks you can talk to about it. I'm always open to talk post-trail, post-adventure. Depression is a real thing. Pretty much yeah, every sure. one of my friends, you know, that does stuff, myself included, we get pretty down after after an adventure. So yeah, I mean, I've just been uh, trying to keep moving, and luckily, I've been so damn busy, it hasn't really had a chance to settle in. So you know, like as soon as I'm done with this phone call, I'm about to go to the climbing gym with some buddies. So yeah, just you know, keep that momentum going and don't let it get you down. Yeah, and I'll say this: another big trap for for adventures is. Now that you've done big things, and I, you know this is totally unsolicited advice, but I'll tell you anyway. Um, <laughs> it's after you do big adventures, it's like you you start to say, "No, nah, I don't want to go do that little weekend trip or that little overnighter because it's just not going to be the same." But it really is the same. It's like it's like having a you can have a huge steak, you know, which is awesome. Like the AT is just this huge, yeah. massive plate, or you know, one bite of it is still really good. And you can have those really, really awesome uh, often, you know? That's, you know, I, I do have uh, like an ice climbing trip planned for uh, like the middle of February. And, um, you know, I was just trying to get out and do some some little stuff around New England while still kind of getting my life going again. So yeah. uh, I won't be stuck in the house or anything. That's good. And, you know, I've noticed this too. The smaller trips are so much more fun because, you know, they're not going to last four months now. It's like I can yeah. actually have fun for three four days straight rather than being like oh my god i've got 40 days to go or whatever it is it's it's our weekend trips now and overnight trips are just you know it's just so much more enjoyable so it's, it's like a vacation not like totally. oh well this is my life now like like my life is just wet <laughs> like let's let's go i'm gonna get going but dude happy so proud of you man that's just really incredible you know really incredible what you did and thanks dude yeah, we, we want to probably do something, write a blog or something up for us. Any way you want to share it, we'd be happy to promote it. And Yeah, I mean, I definitely would like to, you know, get the experience down on paper at some point. Well, let us know. We'd be happy to share in any way we can. And keep us posted on any new adventures coming up. All right? Yeah, absolutely. I'll, uh, yeah, bring out some beers when I go ice climbing and snap some sweet pics. There you go. <laughs> That'd be awesome. <laughs> All right, man. We'll, All right, dude. Uh, we'll talk, talk to you soon. later. All right. See ya. All right. Bye. Bye. First of all, thank you so much for listening. It means the world to us that you choose to listen to this show. If you'd like to help us further, you can leave a review on iTunes, share us with your friends, your family. It goes a long way to grow in the show. You can also support us financially through patreon.com slash adventure sports podcast. Link is in the show notes. And also, if you have an idea of who could be a good guest for the show, we're always looking for people to tell their story uh, about the outdoors or adventure. So if you know someone, please reach out. Email us at info at adventuresportspodcast.com. And until then, get out there and have some fun.